Welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel, and here we learn about plants, how to care for them, how they work, and I keep it simple and taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can enjoy. Join me in Plant School. Welcome back to Plant School, everyone. Today is episode 63, and I wanted to take some time today to talk to you guys about terrariums and how to care for them. This was actually the not my idea. This was suggested by Kimberly. She messaged me on Instagram and I thought that it would be such a fun episode to do. Oftentimes, if you guys ever have an idea for a podcast episode here on Plant School, feel free to shoot me an email at tinnyplants at gmail.com or you can get on to my Instagram at tinnyplants and message me there. But oftentimes, I am not oftentimes, all the time I'm open to taking requests and a lot of the time they do make it onto plant school. Not all the time, I won't say that because I don't want anyone to be disappointed, but a lot of the time I do take your suggestions and make some episodes on them. I really appreciate Kimberly today for the suggestion about learning more about terrariums. This is something that I have done a few times But honestly, they didn't turn out so hot, at least the first one I did. And after learning more about them, I know I say this a lot, but I really do want to try this again because it just seems kind of like an interesting sort of experiment. And I love science and terrariums seem kind of like the perfect combination of ecology mixed with plants. So first question, what is a terrarium? It is a sealed plant environment and it can vary in size. It can be in a small jar. It can be in large cases with stands and with heating and lighting. But it is basically a sort of mini greenhouse. And terrariums, they can be sealed or open. Both qualify as a terrarium. But but yeah, it's basically just a little environment in usually a jar that you can make yourself or you can buy them, whatever whatever floats your boat. And we'll, we'll talk about all of that. So what's the draw to them? What makes a terrarium so cool for people to have started them in the first place and love them still today? They are very easy to care for. And this is because they utilize being in an enclosed space or a semi-enclosed space. They use water circulation as the plants are respiring out water out of their leaves and it condensates on the sides of that glass jar container that you have it in and then it slowly drips down back into the soil. So it's like this mini water cycle just going around and around and your terrarium can kind of take care of itself. Some of them, you don't even have to water them at all because they get all the water they need from itself, from the respiration happening in the plants. They're super easy to care for once you get them down and they can last a really long time. So it's kind of just like a fun little environment that you can peek into and look at. You can see it doing its own thing. So I mentioned they can last a long time. So just how long do they last? They can last actually several years. The oldest one on record, because you know I had to look this up. So it's claimed by a man named David Latimer. He lives in England and he started his terrarium in 1960. So what he did... He took a single Tradescantia cutting, and that's a wandering dude plant. So, 
a common house plant and he put it inside this big jar. It kind of has like a small little opening like a with a cork in it. He last opened his terrarium in 1972 to put in just a little bit of water and he has not opened it since and it's still alive. That's like 50 years. No additional water, no additional air, no additional fertilizer. It has literally been supporting itself, which is so incredible that it can do that. Like this tiny little ecosystem in a jar with this single plant is taking care of itself. And like I mentioned before, this is able to happen. He's able to keep this jar closed because plants use CO2 during the day. They give off oxygen as a byproduct and that process at nighttime kind of flips around. So at nighttime, they give off CO2 and they absorb in the oxygen. So they are just kind of feeding itself and they get their water through their roots and it's just from the condensation on the jar from respiration that's coming down into the soil that they can then suck up through their roots. And as for like not using fertilizer, that's able to work because minerals are getting recycled when old leaves or an old stem, flowers, anything like that, when they die and they drop down to the soil, they get decomposed and it fertilizes new growth. There's lots of nutrients in dead plant material. Yeah, it's just like the, all these little cycles just spinning their wheels within this wand terrarium. Okay, so we know that David Latimer has the oldest wand, but when when did they like first start? Where did they come from? So they originated by accident as a lot of good things do. And it happened when Dr. Nathaniel Bagshaw Ward, oh my gosh, that's a long name. So it's Dr. Nathaniel Bagshaw Ward. He studied butterflies and he wanted a way to get them home safely. So what he did is he set his caterpillars to pupate on a layer of soil. And pupate is just simply the stage of life for a butterfly where the larva becomes a pupa. It takes the next step. And so he needed a layer of soil and he just needed it somewhere where it wasn't going to be bugged. So he put it in a closed glass container and he forgot about one of them. It sat forgotten in the corner for months and inside this glass container of soil, a fern just started to grow. And this was because of the water that was being recycled in the soil. So the soil was wet and the water vapor would rise and condensate come down through that there must have been some spores in the soil from a fern and it started to grow so he noticed this and thought that you know this is a really great way to transport tropical plants like here's this fern doing really well and so this is the name where wardian cases come from you may hear you know a terrarium you can buy a wardian case. It's like a gla little glass greenhouse. And that is because of Dr. Nathaniel Bagshaw Ward. He created the name wardian case because he was the first one to discover it. And he experimented with this before he kind of introduced it. He placed plants that weren't native to England and he put them in sealed jars and observed how well they did. He actually wrote a short paper about this. And the title of it was The Growth of Plants Without Open Exposure to Air. And he wrote a book titled On the Growth of Plants in Closed Glazed Cases. So he is the pioneer of our modern day terrariums. In the beginning, they would use them often to transport tropical plants. And they 
more often would use them to display really beautiful, artful designs of plants, and they were very popular in the Victorian era. I've talked a little bit about the Victorian era in other podcast episodes, but back during that time period, they often had very drafty houses, and not a lot of houseplants could deal with that because they are used to warm tropical temperatures. So one of the plants that could handle that was the cast iron plant and it became very popular in the Victorian era. But if you had the money, you could put in a terrarium or a wardian case because it would allow you to have all sorts of different plants that normally couldn't survive just out in the open air of your home, but it could survive in its enclosed case. So when they started, they were often planted with a lot of ferns and that caused them to commonly be called ferneries. Instead of wardian cases, people would call them ferneries. And on a completely different note of terrariums and how they started, it allowed scientists to understand different ecosystems and observe plants and small animals in an environment close to their natural ones without the scientists having actually having to be there in their natural environment way across on a different continent or whatever it may be. Now we're going to get into how this can apply to you, you know, how how to make them, which plants do well, how do we care for them. So first question, what plants do well? I'm going to list a lot because there, there are so many. So you can kind of go through your mind of like, ooh, I have that one. Maybe I could take a cutting from it and put it in a jar. We can see what happens. But here are some options and there are more. So you can research if you are interested in making one. So number one, ferns, obviously. We, we talked about how that was the first plant to kind of start this whole shindig. Ivies do really well. Irish moss, Swedish ivy, artillery fern, polka dot plant. Prayer plants surprisingly do well. Pothos can do great. Creeping fig, crotons, nerve plants, baby tears, peperomia, begonias, carnivorous plants are a really good one. Parlor palms. Air plants can actually do splendid in terrariums. And just as a note, some of these plants, if they are fast growing or things like that, they can take over the terrarium. So just be aware of that. I've heard that ferns are one of those plants that can really just start to take over a terrarium. So just keep that in mind as you're choosing your plants. And besides houseplants, herbs can actually do surprisingly well. So things like thyme, cilantro, sage, basil, dill, oregano, chives, mint, and parsley. I know I, I like named them all, but those do surprisingly well. And you can have them in a terrarium too. And it's kind of a useful term. You can go in and snip out what you need. And as a note, when you are you are looking to choose what plants you want to put in, just be sure you aren't combining low light and high light plants. Because when it is in a small container, it's gonna you know, you can't separate it. It's in a glass container. So you don't want some of them to die when you put them by the window or some of them to die when you put them away from the window where it gets a lot of bright indirect sunlight. So just be aware that you are going to want to choose plants that have similar needs. All right, I'm going to take a quick pause right here. And when we come back, we will get right into how to make a terrarium of your own. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so getting right back into it, how do you make a terrarium for yourself? So first step, this one's kind of obvious. You need to find a container. This can be a jar. It could be a fish tank. It could be a vase. It could be a wardian case, etc., etc. You can use plastic. It is just harder to see through plastic. It's not as clear as glasses. And you really want it to be a relatively clear material so that sunlight can get into it. So don't go picking up like a ceramic vase and thinking that you can make a terrarium in it. It does need to be a clear material. And just another note, make sure you clean it before you use it. You don't want any extra bacteria or fungi being in there that you aren't aware of. Once you have chosen your case, you are going to add a layer of gravel in the bottom. And these are just general suggestions. If you really don't want a layer of gravel in the bottom, it's totally fine. You can make it the way you want to. But that is just how most people will make their terrariums. After you have that layer of gravel, you can add a planting medium over the top. About three inches is what's recommended. And you can use soil. You can use coconut core. Anything that is a appropriate planting medium for your plants. Really all you need it to be is clean and well draining. About one quarter of your container should be that gravel that you added and the soil. So about one quarter of it should be that. So if you're adding in multiple plants, best step is to take the tallest plant and put it in the back if it's being viewed from one side or you can put it in the middle if this is going to be a terrarium that's viewed from all angles. And before you put them in, please check your plants thoroughly for pests because if once you put them in your terrarium, they are going to go crazy. It's just harder to get to, harder to deal with. It will spread to the other plants. So just to avoid that headache, make sure you check your plants before putting them in. And once you have done that, you can go ahead and start putting in your smaller plants. You can put in items of interest, things like moss or shells or rocks, driftwood, really anything. You could put in little toys if you really wanted. I feel like if I made one with my boys, they would want to put in some of their cars and you can do that. It doesn't matter. You can make it however you want. And so once you have it all set up, you're happy with how everything is placed in there, you're going to water it. You don't want to trench it. Heavy watering really isn't necessary for terrariums. So just get it to the point where the soil is sufficiently moist and you can spray it down if you want to with like a spray bottle. And if, you know, going through that whole process, you're sitting and listening like, you know, I, I don't want to do that. That's too much work. You can buy one. You, there are terrarium kits for people like you if that is you. And usually they range from anywhere like as low as $10 up to like $40 on average. There are ones that are much more expensive, of course, but on average, it's like $10 to $40 range. And they come with everything you need to make your own terrarium. Usually they don't include the plants though. That is something they will have you choose on your own. Okay, so we have the knowledge of how to make a terrarium. So how do we care for it? We wanna make sure this thing lasts, right? We don't wanna spend all this time just to have it die like mine did. <laughs> oh guys, I made one and I, I don't think I knew that I could close it up and leave it closed. So I left it open and it dried out and 
yeah, I like had planted a little, a little evergreen. Oh, what was it? It was like a Scots pine, which probably wasn't going to do well anyway. And yeah, it just got crispy and died. If I had all this like research and knowledge that I'm giving you now, I am certain that it would have lasted a much longer time. So this is how you're going to care for one and not do what I did. Water when the soil becomes dry and just enough to moisten it. Again, we, we aren't drenching the thing. It won't be as often as your other houseplants. This is just because there is water being recycled throughout a terrarium's lifetime. It's reusing that water very efficiently. I would say like on average, if you're someone who needs a timeline, it's maybe once a month at the most. Open terrariums, if it's not sealed, it might be more like every three weeks, depending on the plant. It might be more than that. Just make sure you're checking up on its soil every now and then. If it is a sealed terrarium, it is actually recommended to open it every once in a while to let in fresh air about every week. Some people like to do it daily. That seems a little extra for me. I do not think I would remember that, but maybe you guys would. But that can be a standard practice if you have a sealed terrarium. Obviously, David Latimer didn't do that with his one that he's had sealed since 1972. But for you, just keeping it not as like a a record holder or a science experiment, you can open it, you know, as often as you need to. And then miss the plants as needed. Again, they don't need it a whole lot. And when you're putting them in your house, like the whole terrarium itself, it's recommended to put it in indirect sunlight or you can provide artificial grow lights if that's an option. You have a place where you can put those. Those work really well. If you put it in direct sun, it can cause the terrarium because it's an enclosed space, right? So it can cause it to get a bit hot. And you want to make sure that they don't bake in there. You want to remove the lid if it's getting direct sun just so it can release some of that heat in general indirect sunlight is best and several feet from a window is usually the ideal it's also recommended that you wipe them down not just on the outside you know like doing your normal dusting and things like that but also on the inside you can get like a damp cloth or a paper towel and just wipe it away that makes it so you can see in it keeps any fungal growth from taking over the sides and I don't know, clouding your vision. I've seen some where they can become really green. And so just taking a damp cloth on the outside keeps that fungal growth to a minimum. And you're also going to need to prune your plants as needed. And this is just to help them maintain compact growth. If you just let them grow, they can get really spindly. So by pruning it, it helps them keep them shorter and more maintained. And go ahead and remove any dead growth that you see. You you can just take a more natural approach and let it die and that will kind of be the fertilizer. But again, that can bring in different kind of pests or bacteria or things like that. So I, I do recommend a prune. Some people will actually have like an entire ecosystem going on in their jar where they will add in bugs and those kind of take care of the decomposition process for them. So if that's something you're into, if you love bugs, you can put some in there and they will usually do a great job of getting rid of all of that dead plant material that's falling down. But yeah, I in the end, I would just recommend to prune just to prevent those fungal and bacterial infections 
from becoming problems and maybe even killing your plants. Last thing for caring for your terrarium, which is like not really a tip on how to care for it. It's like a tip of how you don't have to care for it. Fertilizing is not necessary for a terrarium. They get a whole lot of nutrients from the things being returned into the soil and the water is being recycled so nutrients aren't being washed away. So you don't have to worry about fertilizing it. It's just, it's not necessary, which is kind of nice that you don't have to think about that, you know, every month or so as they're growing. Okay, so last question. This is kind of like a troubleshooting question. So let's say you have a terrarium and what do you do if pests start to become a problem or something dies? Do you, you know, do you rip it out? What do you do? So first of all, yes, you do rip it out. You take out the dead item. As I mentioned before, it attracts a lot of different pests. And if you get gnats, coming into your terrarium, you're going to want to avoid overwatering. That's usually why fungus gnats appear in the first place. Another great way to get rid of these fungus gnats is to put pebbles on top of your soil. That deters them from even being able to reach the soil and laying their eggs in there. You can also get some insecticidal soap and you can apply it to the infected plants inside. And if the pest problem gets really bad, you may just have to start again, start with some fresh soil because with a terrarium, it can be really hard to go in there and get rid of these pests because I know, especially if you have like a bottleneck opening to your terrarium, it's near impossible to go in and really maintain those sort of problems and it might just be best to start over. But yeah, that concludes our terrarium episode. Now we know where they came from good old Dr. Nathaniel Bagshaw Ward and we know what the oldest one is at 50 years of not being opened. We know how to make one, how to care for one and I am so glad that you guys joined me today for plant school. I hope you found this interesting. If you did, be sure to leave a review. It really helps out my podcast and I do appreciate it and I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for being here and listening today, and I hope you'll join me next week. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it going, you can find the support link below in the description and donate. Or, I have some awesome Plant School merch, including stickers, shirts, and mugs, and the link to my shop is in the description as well. And if you don't want to spend any money but still support the podcast, share this podcast with a friend, either verbally or electronically. This will even qualify you for my giveaway. Just message me on Instagram at tinnyplant that you shared the podcast with a friend, and you'll be entered in for a chance to win some goodies. Winners will be announced on the podcast. Again, thank you for listening and I hope you have a great week.